0: you are listening to biz culture matters on clay 1180 and excellentcultures.com and i am your host zach gandra and with me as always is the immutable steve gandra
1: you used to call me inimitable now, now immutable now means I just you can't, you can't get, be shut up that's right i can't get you to <laughs> shut up <laughs> i like that you like immutable better. i like immutable that was a spur of the moment gut it's, reaction yeah, right there that, like that, it just that, came out this whole show is a Collection of spur of the moment reaction.
0: (laughs) I mean, it just came out. It flew out of me like it had just been stored up for years. It
1: probably was. (laughs) You know, Dr. Cook is going to tell you when we get him on the air today, our guest. Yeah. uh, He's going to tell you what kind of passive defensive, you know, mindset. We are
0: recording from Seattle. Seattle is uh, famously known for our passive aggressiveness. Yeah. And I have spent 36 years of my life here. So you know, a little bit's rubbed off. I'm trying not to do it, but uh, normally we're just aggressive, aggressive.
1: Yeah, there you go, at least with each other. There you go. There's no passivity in it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dr. Cook taught us how to be constructive.
0: Constructive. Yes, you told me the other day when we uh, did a personal evaluation using doctor, some of Dr. Cook's tools, that I was known as a uh, what, what combative? Is that what my, no, I, was, that, I was, high? That red. was oppositional, 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 <laughs> oppositional. high red. In it's the all those
1: years of playing baseball and football and yeah. all those sports. I things. don't know.
0: I think, I think And part of me, I had to like evaluate that and I had to go, you know what, if I am oppositional, I actually value opposition. And I don't know if that's a good value, but there's certain, there's certain levels of, of opposition I value because I value people confronting and opposing me for the sake of my betterment. And, uh, transformation in good ways. And and then I guess there's there's apparently we're gonna learn from Dr. Cook that there is a negative side effect of yes. being too oppositional. Yes. yes we are. And uh that 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 I already got to learn a little bit of and was a little bit blown away and was like, man, down the road, you know, one year from now, two years, three years, five years, ten years from now and leading the the nonprofit organization that I that I lead, I, I definitely do not want the results of, of being oppositional. So we're excited about our guest today. Obviously, we're already getting into it.
1: Yeah, extremely excited. Steve, um, you
0: got your scholar glasses on today. Is that my... because we're talking to a doctor? No. Because you just can't see. No,
1: it's because I have a new computer, and it's got a tiny screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the specs always work better, always nice. work better. Anyway, nice. uh, I've known uh, Dr. Cook. I've had the opportunity. I've known Dr. Cook first through his work. Yeah. For a long time, 15 or 16 years. Which is
0: Human Synergistics, if we hadn't said so already. Yeah,
1: Human Synergistics is Dr. Cook's organization, and uh, I've, I've known him through the benefit of his tools and his work for a number of years. I had a chance to meet a few years ago and i can tell you that this guy definitely is the big kahuna of organizational the big, I culture. I thought you were joking when we no, were on the phone no, with him he earlier. Is, I didn't know you were going to actually announce it as that. He is definitely the big kahuna. The big kahuna of, of organi- organizational culture. You know, Rob has has gathered data from all over the world. Um, you know, he, we'll get you to talk to talk to, we'll get him to talk to our uh, listeners about, you know, the specifics of his work, but i mean this guy has uh, you know, if you look at his client uh, clientless and we're going to want you to do it because yeah. we will post this on the on the podcast. Yep. Um, you know, it's a who's who of the Fortune 500. I mean, he's also served on the National Center for Health and Sciences Research, the National Institute of Education, the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects. You know, he's in, conducted surveys in yeah. various corporations. Uh, I mean, this guy, who's who? Read, yeah. read the bio because this guy knows what he's talking about. And uh, I, I would say in addition to really knowing what he's talking about, and we're, gonna, we're, we're so excited about having Dr. Cook on the show today that we're mm-hmm. actually going to do a couple of shows. So nope. listeners, you're going to want to listen this week and next week because, um, you know, when we get to the second chapter, which will be on next week, uh, Dr. Cook is going to speak to us about the global research he's yeah. done on uh what's going on inside of human dna my view not his he has wow. more scientific terms than me right um about uh you know what an ideal culture looks like around the world dna is a scientific um, term Dave. So yeah, you're just yeah, probably it using is. it out of context. i'm using it i'm using it out of context and wrong <laughs> uh, that's why i default to dr cook you know right. rob, rob rob thank you for being on the show we're, we're so glad to have you all the way from chicago
0: yeah glad you're here here's our clap track it's just me clapping <laughs> over my head we're not that technical yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell, tell, tell our, tell our. I mean, you know, I'm glad you're laughing. I'm, I'm assuming you're laughing at us instead of with us, which is that makes us feel really good, Rob. <laughs> I am, I am
2: definitely laughing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell our listeners, you know, your version of, of the work that you do and the story of Human Synergistics and, you know, how you you've grown to. Uh, in my opinion, again, and, and and in this area, my opinion is a good one because we've been studying this for almost 40 years, uh, how you've grown to, to be the big kahuna in organizational culture. Again, my depiction of you. Um, <laughs> our Our listeners really want to hear the story.
2: I I, I just I just love the description and thank
1: you. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna send you uh, a, a nameplate for your desk that the says big the big big Kahuna.
2: That is that is just perfect. I will laugh every time <laughs> I come into my office. It's perfect. You know, it's it's interesting that you said 40 years. We recently celebrated our 40th anniversary. Yes, you Lincoln did logistics. Um, but not not this year. but It was actually. Uh, uh 2011, Human synergistics was founded in 1971 by my friend, my senior colleague, my partner, Jay Clayton Lafferty. Uh, Dr. Lafferty was a great clinical psychologist. Uh, we got together because he was interested in taking some of his clinical interviews and some of the experiences that he was developing and turning them into um, into surveys, into inventories that others could use. Uh, he was located in Plymouth, Michigan, outside of uh, Ann Arbor. I uh, was a professor, an uh, associate research scientist at uh, the University of Michigan, worked with the survey research center specialized in surveys. We just hit it off. Um, I uh, went over to his office one day to talked about really interesting things like survey reliability and validity, psychometric properties, that kind of stuff. And um, we, we just uh, just hit it off right away. I figured, you know what, we're going to work together. He figured the same thing. I had no idea 40 years later I would be working on our materials, still expanding them, going throughout the world, translating the surveys into other languages. It's been great. It's been quite a trip. Well, we specialize in measurement. Our our niche is around surveys like uh, the organizational culture inventory, leadership impact, and we we also we also develop through process simulations, um, desert sub survival, subarctic survival, other experiences that allow teams to work together and. Uh, really measure how well they've done as well as their interpersonal and group processes. Um, we um, have surveys uh, at the individual level, measuring personal styles, skills, at the team level, and the leadership and management level, as well as the organizational level. Our niche, our, our slice of the market is we want to be research-based, everything we do uh, has its roots in uh, empirical research. We go out, we test our surveys, we find out what we did wrong, you know, speaking of oppositional, uh, we repair them, we make them even better, we then norm them, make them available to limit uh, limited number of people to make sure they're relevant, make sure they're timely, and then after that we, we publish them. It sometimes takes us uh, three years to get a new survey out, but once we release it, we have a scientifically valid, yet relevant product.
1: Yeah, I can tell you for a fact, as an almost 16-year practitioner of utilizing Dr. Cook's tools, that um, these are the only tools in the world that have the capacity, my words, to essentially read the soul of an organization or a business, read what's really going on below the surface. I mean, everyone has all these engagement surveys and employee satisfaction surveys, and most organizations, the people will tell you that they have survey fatigue these days. Uh, The great thing about Dr. Cook's tools is not only are they scientifically accurate and statistically valid and proven, as he just shared with you, but they cut to the chase of what's really going on, tell you what's going on at the root cause level, and help you get after making the changes that you need to make to improve the performance of your leaders, your organization, your people, in short order. And for that, uh, Rob, I think the impact that you're making on the world, and we'll get you to talk about your work around the world Uh, shortly, if not in the next next show, um, is very noteworthy of recognition because they are just making a huge difference in organizations every place you go.
0: In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to take our first break because we're already over 10 minutes into the show, believe it or not, and uh, we're going to come back and we're going to hear all that from Dr. Cook. But right before the break, we want to remind you you're listening to ExcellentCultures.com. The show is called Biz Culture Matters, and we would like to connect with you. You can do that at ExcellentCultures.com. You can listen to podcasts there. You can engage blogs and writings about leadership in that capacity there. You can also send us an email at AskTheExperts.com at excellentcultures.com because we want to hear from you. We want to have a conversation with you and we want to introduce you to Dr. Cook and his materials that has been changing organizational culture for over 40 years. We'll be right back. Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM.
3: Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a fortune 500 or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure, you don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate, bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI.
0: Okay, listeners, you're back. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM with Zach Gandra and uh, Steve Gandra, the immutable. And our special guest today, Dr. Robert Cook, all the way from Illinois with Human Synergistics. Steve, you were just going into, you had just uh, described the beauty of the tools that and the uh, surveys that Human Synergistics has put out over the last 40 years. Well, and we got to hear from Dr. Yeah, Cook. It, it, and,
1: exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, uh, everyone these days in businesses and even in uh, public sector organizations is talking about, you know, employee engagement. And uh, I'm going to get Dr. Cook to speak to what's really going on in employee engagement, not what's the marketing spiel of whoever wants to sell you whatever kind of survey that gives your employees su- survey-itis and survey fatigue. But, um, Rob, why don't, why don't you share with our listeners, you know, what, what your vision, based upon all of your experience and all your research and 40 years of gathering data from organizations all over the world, uh, I mean, what's your vision for an ideal culture that leads to employee engagement?
2: We measure culture in terms of three different general types of culture: Steve, uh, constructive, passive, defensive, and aggressive defensive. Then I refer to these just as constructive, passive, and aggressive. We do this very carefully. We we have 120 items representing behaviors and we just ask people about the extent to which those behaviors are accepted in their organization. We put the data together, and we come up with a picture of the current culture of their organization. We also have what we call the ideal version of the culture inventory, and there we ask people what should be expected to maximize effectiveness, and we have been administering these surveys for years, and in the United States, Canada, other Anglo countries, we keep coming up with the same, shall we call it, ideal profile. What people say is that the ideal culture of their organization is a constructive culture, a culture where achievement-oriented, self-actualizing, humanistic and supportive, and affiliative and cooperative behaviors are expected and reinforced. We plot we plot the results out on what we call a circumplex. Sort of looks like a clock. On that clock, the top four styles are the ones I just mentioned: achievement, self-actualizing, humanistic, affiliative. On their ideal profiles, they are colored in in a blue ink. And uh, the extensions go all the way to the very top of the circumplex. And people are right; these are these are the expectations; these are the norms, the kind of culture that really does lead to engagement, performance, sustainability. In contrast, we ask about the passive styles. The styles include approval-oriented behaviors, conventional or rigid behaviors, dependent and avoidant behaviors. Typically what we find is that uh, leaders, members of organizations, see those styles as being inappropriate for organizations, they, they interfere with engagement, they uh, interfere with performance, they lead to organizational vulnerability, the organization cannot adapt, um, other organizations come into the market space. Um, because the organization is uh, unable to learn, unable to change, things happen, things go wrong. Third type of culture is aggressive, and there we're talking about your oppositional style, Steve. Yep. Uh, Oppositional behaviors, power-oriented behaviors, competitive, and also perfectionistic. Now, as you were saying before... A little bit of these behaviors or expectations for some degree of these behaviors is fine. You know, some oppositional style, some questioning, some degree of pointing out flaws. Okay, in an organization, you need some negative feedback sometimes. You've got to tell others when they're making a dangerous mistake. A the bit of competition never hurts. Some perfectionism can also be good. But generally, on our ideal profiles, these styles are seen as much less appropriate, much less functional than the constructive styles. In organizations and in reality, they lead to what we call volatility. Sometimes the organization does well. Sometimes it does poorly. Things are hard to predict. Organization may do okay along some criteria of effectiveness, but at the expense of other types of effectiveness. All in all, we see constructive cultures, again, as leading to effectiveness, sustainability at the organizational level, engagement, motivation at the individual level, and cooperation and collaboration at the team level.
1: Yeah, you know, what's really interesting as a practitioner of uh, Dr. Cook's tools for over 15 years now. Uh, the the way that 120 simple questions that can be filled out, you know, online or on paper in about 20 minutes, can effectively, once Dr. Cook's algorithm that's hidden in the secret computer someplace in the cloud um, gets gets to working on these responses that individuals give to these questions, the the outcome of the data the circumplex, as Dr. Cook has described it, when it is uh, shared back with a group of people, um, it, it folks are amazed. I mean, they had no idea. They have no idea that those kind of dynamics are actually going on inside of them, inside of their minds, inside of their organizations, and their communi- communication styles. And, you know, even speaking to the oppositional style that you just identified, uh, Robin, that Zach and I were talking about earlier, uh, as you said, you know, in a in a healthy culture, you want some healthy constructive debate, uh, but, but when it's too much, it's all about, uh, you know, resisting and disagreeing with everything. And, and as you said, it, it, that, that kind of uh, extension slows the organization down. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, the one that I find that's most difficult for, for folks to really understand and relate to? Uh, is affiliative the constructive style affiliative, which really, in effect, is the basis and the core of teamwork? If you're really going to have it in an organization, can you talk a little bit about more about w- what what your instruments measure with respect to causing identifying whether there's teamwork and real teamwork in an organization or if it's just lip service? For
2: sure, for sure. You know, Steve, the the constructive styles really represent a balance. They represent a balance. Um, very well-known in the leadership area, uh, between people and the task orientation. The Achievement style is very task-oriented, the affiliative style is very people-oriented. And what we find is that leaders who are achievement-oriented actually do much better when they're also affiliated. Organizations with achievement cultures actually do much better. When the culture also emphasizes affiliation and cooperation. With affiliative cultures, you, you get communication, you get collaboration. Very importantly, in organizations, you, you have the articulation of interdependent activities. And people doing different things truly do work together so that their individual efforts lead to something bigger and something that truly works. It's it's, it's not just friendliness, it's not just um, sociable, it it truly is making the organization operate, making it function smoothly through open communication and a willingness to adjust one's own activities to meet the requirements and the needs of others.
1: So more about uh, team spirit than just a whole bunch of guidelines or Shallow values that people may or may not embrace or really live, as opposed to posting them on the website for the company's marketing purposes is that a good way exactly. to describe it? It, it,
2: it's it's real I mean, an affiliative organization, for example, is a safer organization, an organization with fewer accidents because people communicate and they they've heard from others you know what did you write they've heard from others about problems uh, the team the team looks out for for its members very interesting phenomenon.
1: yeah well uh, listeners I think what you'll find amazing you, you definitely want to uh, listen to this podcast and share it with your team members and then when you um, check it out at uh, excellentcultures.com slash podcast you want to make sure that you look at the graphics and the details that dr. cook has. Uh, included for us to post so that you can see what's going on. Additionally, as you look at the excellentcultures.com site, b- be sure and check out the the case studies. I mean, we have just l- zillions of case studies of organizations who have utilized Dr. Cook's tools, assessed where their culture was, assessed where these uh, defensive styles were alive and well in their organizations, and then taken appropriate action to turn them around and move them to the constructive styles and the the ROA the ROI the ROA the return on investment the return on assets have been phenomenal i mean in the in the the 5 to 10 to 20 fold of breakthrough kind of outcome so we're not just talking about another uh, warm and fuzzy survey that most employees are telling us they have survey fatigue over we're talking about a set of tools that will cut to the core of what's really going on and with an appropriate professional that is certified in Dr. Cook's process and knows how to read them and understand them and interpret them and then prescribe the appropriate next steps huge breakthroughs yeah not yeah. massive yeah
0: i mean one of those one of those case studies on there has what in a couple of years 8 million dollar return on investment oh so yeah you know, i mean 15 million dollar uh, <clears throat> return yeah, on investment yeah
1: you know we we had one example of a, a general motors a uh, plant that had been sold off to a subsidiary company the company you know went bankrupt yeah. you know convinced the united auto workers the labor union that that they needed to lay off 75% of their workers to hire new folks at a lower price point um you know things were just frustrated and argumentative and highly oppositional yeah uh you know w- we asked the we asked the the leaders both on the labor side and the management side the union leaders to, to use dr. Cook's instruments to identify the ideal culture yeah. that they wanted to leave to their children as a legacy and uh, it, it, it was the same thing right. I mean and once they got they got together around identifying you know what they needed to do in order to get to this culture that they all agreed on five and a half million dollars in scrap production cost <laughs> savings in the next 20 months yeah I mean um, hello 76 <laughs> percent decrease in union <laughs> grievances. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wow, th- th- huge, huge. Yeah. So we're talking about big I mean, if you're a bottom
0: here. line number guy and you don't care about squishy, uh, there you go, right? Like, it's not squishy. It, it's changing lives. It's changing companies. It's changing bottom lines. We got to go to our second break because we're already over time in our second segment. But you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back.
3: Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500 or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure you don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate, bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data. Not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire. Workers who love their work. And everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI.
0: You're back with excellentcultures.com biz culture matters the show on clay 1180 am zach gandra with the immutable today steve gandra and uh, our welcomed very welcomed guest dr rob cook from human synergistics steve we just wrapped up the tail end of that last segment with massive return on investment numbers of case studies that we've worked with with human synergistic tooling and and assessments and it's, it's Ridiculous. Yeah, like, don't,
1: don't don't waste your time with <laughs> engagement surveys and employee satisfaction surveys yeah. and all these warm and fuzzy sure. things that, you know, tell you good information, but none of it is actionable and none of it gives leaders specific coaching on exactly what they need to do in order to make a yeah. difference. Unless you just like throwing a lot of money at something sure. that makes people think that something good is going to happen, but it doesn't necessarily happen. Right. So uh, let
0: me. can I ask a question of Dr. Cook? So, uh, if I said no, you would. I would you. do it anyway, because <laughs> I have control of the whole monitor board here and yes, can mute whoever I want. Yes, you do. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot. Obviously, we've we've had we've had a lot of family business clients that uh, these tools uh, from Human Synergistics and and that Dr. Cook has been a part of of making have, have been phenomenal. You and I have engaged them, in particularly in our business, over the last. Uh, a couple of weeks to months Yeah,
1: family businesses that have 20,000 employees right. or are publicly Got held it. or global reach. Right.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for what I've experienced, uh, even personally, you and I working together and going through the process of that. Um, so is there Dr. Cook a side for like, uh, a side of human logistics for families? Like, I mean, is that a whole nother nook of, or a whole nother, Area of production you can just start doing
1: <laughs> a new tool. You know,
2: you know uh, the, this f- is the family there. CI
0: human synergistics for your marriage. <laughs> yeah. Human synergistics there, there for your, for parenting. You, and, you
2: know, we, we we have our lifestyle inventory, uh-huh. which is uh, primarily obviously for people within organizations, but occasionally you know someone doesn't like their profile. And, you know, they, they feel that the profile came out too passive or too aggressive. They, 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 you know, they'll say, that's not like me. Yeah. You know, my response is, say, hey, why don't you go home and ask your spouse? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 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 and wow. this has led to some wonderful conversations. Off yeah. Side.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It really has. Totally. It really yeah. has. And
2: I should add that uh, we are a family business to some extent. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of family businesses. Um in our research data sets, and, and also as clients. And they are, they are very, very interesting organizations to work with, um, small and large. You find in small businesses, um, size really doesn't matter in terms of the overall culture of organizations, but in small organizations, the cultures are much more intensive. Uh, they're stronger uh, because you know, everyone, everyone knows who the leaders are, everyone talks with them, they know what they think. They know what kind of uh, situations they set up, and the uh, small organizations, including family businesses, just seem to have a more intense, more well-defined, stronger, stronger culture, mm. positive or negative. Wow!
1: Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. We're we're working with one family business now that's a you know a privately held but global footprint. I mean, forty thousand locations around the world. Um, and uh, it, it's it's family 101 times lots of people, and as anyone who's ever been around organizations knows, that the more people that you get, uh, the more challenging it is to help everyone get on the same page. And I know, but Rob, your tools do such a wonderful job of of getting, you know, when they're properly used to get people to identify what the same page means through data, not just through warm and fuzzy words, but through data. And, uh, yeah, with that, I wanted to see if you could give us some some of your thoughts on, okay, you, you've told us that constructive styles are the way to go in culture and in business and in leadership or in any kind of organization. Where have you seen this value system start to deteriorate in organizations? What are some of the trouble signs that leaders should look out for? Yeah,
2: you know, it's very, very interesting. Some of the organizations that uh, tend to lose these values without even realizing it, are, in fact, organizations that are quite successful, organizations that um, have certain patents or copyrights, um, maybe a first-mover advantage, or they have the gifts of a good location or a big moat with a lot of entry barriers. You know, what happens in those organizations is that uh, management, leadership becomes very complacent and they, they, they feel that uh, they have to protect what they have and start initiating all these rules, all these regulations, um, trying to make sure that things don't change inadvertently, and also they tend towards centralization more of a power orientation, a feeling of in, invincibility. And, you know, all of a sudden what you have is a very defensive culture, both passive and aggressive, and a loss of the constructive styles that um, may have led to uh, their success in the first place. And many of our consultants are accredited consultants like yourself, Steve, who have their own firms, will start working with these organizations. They'll administer a OCI and organizational culture inventory. We'll put together the profile. It'll be extremely defensive, again, both passive and aggressive, very little constructive take it back to the organization, and the leaders will say, well, if that's the culture we created, it must be working because we sure are successful. They, they are attributing their success, or I should say misattributing their success, to a very defensive culture on the belief that it is that culture that is leading to performance, rather than other factors, including possibly a better culture many years ago. I call the misattribution of success to culture, and it's a very tough one to deal with, but truly those kinds of organizations become very vulnerable. There are some fantastic case studies about organizations like it. One, One of my favorite, I used to use in my classes, it was American La France, they built fire engines, had a monopoly in the area of fire engines and they became very complacent articles were written about them they, they failed to learn they failed to adapt and in the mid1980s uh, a new company of was started was was called emergency one and they came out with very innovative fire trucks including um, bodies made of aluminum that were much lighter much more easy to handle etc and la France simply, could not adapt. Its success had allowed a very negative culture to emerge, which worked against innovation, adaptation, responsiveness, et cetera. They literally went bankrupt. Again, the misattribution misattribution of success to culture and it, it associated with this deterioration of constructive values that you were asking about.
1: That's an incredible story. So, so beware if you're successful. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, and if your success is is highly because of a proprietary piece of technology or a piece of software or a tool or a product and not just your people working together full out, being a great team and making it happen, um, it's so easy. I mean, the, the example I like to use a lot is uh, if next time you speak to a class of budding uh, MBAs, Rob, Uh, You want to ask the question, what sunk the Titanic, and see how fast their hands go up. And it's always about the iceberg. But but we all know that, no, it wasn't the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. It was that hubris culture, you know, that defensive culture of a captain and crew who believe that uh, we're bulletproof for the greatest piece of technology ever invented. Uh, The hulls are thicker than anything. Nothing can hurt this boat. And that mindset, that culture, was what caused them to make errors and not pay attention to the iceberg and get too close to it before it was too late and cost all those people their lives. It wasn't the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. It was a bad culture.
2: Absolutely true. It's, it's a culture of in, invincibility. It's a culture of um, arrogance, hubris. Uh, it's one of the reasons why um, uh, cockpit management trainers have used our inventory. Uh, those those kinds of um, problems emerge, even in these very small teams carrying out critical tasks. And the teams have to be made aware of what's going on, what's interfering with communication, um, why first mate, for example, might distort communication, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's extremely powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listeners, make sure that uh, the circumplex that Dr. Cook is speaking of, uh, if you take a look at excellentcultures.com and then click on the case studies tab uh, slash client case studies, you're going to see multiple examples of what he's referring to as the circumplex that depicts the defensive and the constructive styles in organizations put in the context of, of before and after results. Uh, like the one we spoke of earlier. I mean, I'm reminded of another uh, client that uh, this was a large multinational grocery store chain, a uh, thousand grocery stores just in, in North America that had had a, you know, a huge, uh, you know, quality problem. Actually, uh, butchers injecting red dye into brown meat and putting it back on the, you know, on the display case for, for sale that made national news and you know of course the executive team you know the CEO lost his job and there was a new CEO but um, amazingly when we gathered data for the new CEO on what was going on uh, Rob Circumplex told the story of the culture that was driving those kind of mistakes and that kind of behavior and uh, and once once it was changed uh, good golly uh, their stock price grew by 284 percent in you know in a year so we're, we're not talking about these tiny little incremental improvements uh, that Dr. Cook's tools will help you achieve. We're talking about volume breakthroughs here.
2: And it also goes to what you were talking about earlier, Steve, things like uh, outcomes like engagement, uh, satisfaction. We we have a case study um, carried out in Canada with the FAST Central Credit Union Association. We've been working with them since the 1990s, and we have organizational culture profiles from one year to the next, showing the progression from defensive to constructive. And we also show outcomes, how outcomes have improved over time. But one of the big things is that that organization is consistently named one of the best places to work in Canada, uh, one of the best places for women to work in Canada. So, you know, the results come, at, again, at, at multiple levels. As you were saying, we see it in terms of profitability, we see it in terms of market growth, et cetera, at the organizational level. But we also see it at the member level. Things things are better in terms of uh, engagement, uh, traditional measures of satisfaction, motivation, lower role conflict, intention to stay, higher intention to stay.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, after the break, Uh, We want you to speak specifically to this 70% disengaged workforce that the recent Gallup poll is telling us that we have in the United States today. There you go. Biz Culture Matters on Clay, 1180 AM, and
0: excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back.
3: Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? it's not just your corporate strategies it's your corporate culture excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast these guys really get it whether you're a family biz or a fortune 500 or a new biz and wanna get it right excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it what they know for sure you don't need another consultant excellent cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate, bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data Not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire. Workers who love their work. And everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI.
0: We're back. And you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. I just realized I was really loud on that. We're back, so sorry. If I busted your eardrums on your headphones, uh, as long
1: as you don't bust the speakers. Well, there on you the go. Side of the doors of the car.
0: Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, you're right. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Steve, we're we're on the line with uh, Human Synergistics, Doctor Robert Cook, and we are going to wrap up the show right here with this segment on this 70 percent disengaged workforces in America. Um, I don't know if I fall into that category anymore, but...
1: Uh, well, you certainly did before. You know, I you, did. Oh, yeah. You certainly did before. And uh, so, uh, Rob, t- tell us, tell us. I mean, G- Gallup is telling us that, you know, our, our workforce in the United States is 70% disengaged. They went as far this year. Jim Clifton, the chairman of Gallup, went as far this year as to say that 18%, their data shows that 18% of uh, their the workforce of that, you know, the... That, that sub-segment actually went as far as to say that they hated their jobs, and the most common reason for hating their job was they hated their boss. Um, what connection have you seen between corporate culture, employee engagement, and effectiveness?
2: I, I, I have seen connections. They are very strong, but they are not, they are not necessarily obvious and um, really make the entire engagement arena just a little bit more challenging, a little bit more uh, complex than um, some of um, some of the consultants might suggest. Um, first, let, let, let's just talk about um, engagement and effectiveness, and what the relationship is there. You know, the the common thinking, and the thinking that's promoted by by a number of consulting firms, is that engagement leads to performance. Now, that may be right, but I want to share with you that there are many studies out there showing that it's really performance that leads to engagement. And the theory there is that um, people perform well, uh, they create value, they create resources, if the management is working right, they are able to reward. Those people for their performance, and the people become more engaged through extrinsic rewards, through better jobs, etc. And that causal direction may be more powerful than um, uh, the, the common one with engagement leading to performance. But yet it's probably even more complicated than that. And my my position is that um, some of this relationship between performance and engagement may be spurious. In other words, it's it, it's really due to other third factors that are simultaneously promoting both performance and engagement. And I gotta tell you, I think the most important of those third factors is constructive culture. It also has to do with what we call the levers for creating a constructive culture. But basically, what My research shows, and what I like to share with um, our consultants and our our clients, is that if you go about creating a constructive culture the correct way, uh, for example, um, if you implement uh, the correct types of reward systems, um, the, the correct structures with proper employee involvement, decentralization, et cetera, et cetera. You'll create a constructive culture, and in turn, that constructive culture will simultaneously promote higher engagement on the part of members, plus better performance, because the organization just works in a superior way, and you end up with this seeming relationship between engagement and performance, which may be there, but in in fact... Both engagement and performance are being enhanced by the constructive culture that the organization has been able to So it's create. not
1: just about engagement, it's about engagement and performance together. Is that what you're saying?
2: That that is what I'm saying. Yeah. And taking a look at the two of them in terms of other important factors which are causally related to both of them. Yeah.
1: I, I want to underscore what Dr. Cook is talking about here by this causally related factor. You know, what we just heard is that it's not only about engagement. You can have lots of engagement, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a high-performance organization or high-performance people. And that what he is referencing about these, this constructive culture or constructive styles, specifically what that means is an organization or a leader that lives and promotes and acts like on a daily basis – Culture that is all about setting and achieving goals, being all that you can be, self-actualization, uh, valuing people over task, but not people at the expense of task. People and task both, but people coming first. And this affiliative style that he spoke to earlier on the show—that's about, you know, everything that it takes to be a real team. You know, we called it, you know, even team spirit, the root cause of an effective team. Uh, not just surface-level instruments that tell us, well, maybe we're engaged, but does that that doesn't mean we're effective? That's
2: Correct. That's correct. So, and what we want to do again is to promote both at the same time. So, we don't if, want to promote performance at the expense of engagement. Nor do we want to promote a form of engagement at the expense of performance. We want cultures that um, that really truly leads both. Exactly. secondary effects with, you know, the engagement leading to performance and vice versa, that's great. But it may be secondary.
1: So we want both engagement and performance, not one or the other. Right. Yeah.
2: And we want to bring our, our structures and our systems into alignment with our constructive values and implement changes within the organization that not only solve immediate problems, but lead to engagement and effectiveness over the
1: long term. Yeah. That's so amazing. You know, we we it's so easy for us, you know, as leaders and the larger the number of people that we're responsible to leading the easy the, the for leading, the easy it is for it to happen to just you know, quickly look at the surface elements and ignore the root causes of what's what's really driving them, spend a lot of time and energy and money measuring surface causes and addressing them. Uh, The example I like to use a lot is, you know, if in fact you've got, you know, these best company surveys that really do a good job of, of based upon whatever uh, criteria they've identified, you get a best company survey that tells a manager or a management team that, the manager is ineffective in communication that is a, you know, passive defensive approval style culture. Uh, This manager is going to get the feedback, go ask his people, gosh, what can I do to improve? And they're going to nod their head and smile and say, everything's wonderful, boss. And, and, and nothing changes. So it, it, Except it, later he doesn't get invited out to have drinks with everybody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it, exactly. Uh, and when he asks, well, how come you guys didn't invite me, they just nod their head and smile and say, oh, we'll invite you the next time. But it never happens. Never. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so that, with that kind of our, ba- our background, as we wrap up the show, Rob, we've got a couple more minutes. Uh, put your coach's hat on and, you know, w- what can you tell – you know, today's business and corporate leaders about that, you know, that they can really be doing to establish and restore truly effective
2: cultures? I think uh, the most important thing is that uh, they should be aware that there may be a disconnect, a culture disconnect in their organizations between what they view as ideal and what the current culture truly is like. And, again, they, they have to look at those gaps, those culture gaps between the ideal and the actual, and spend some real time, either either through um, our surveys, through um, consultants, um, you know, going around the organization and observing and interviewing people, come up with reasonable changes that can close those gaps. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the, the charts on the wall with, you know, the values. It's not the organizational philosophy. It's what people experience on a day-to-day basis. And the organization and leaders may have to look at simple things like how jobs are designed and, and you know, what the lack of autonomy in jobs or the lack of variety may be queuing to people, may be signaling people in terms of what's expected. They may, leaders may say they want participation and involvement, but the way jobs are designed actually communicates the opposite.
1: So lots of factors involve what's really going on and the bottom line is performance and engagement, not just engagement. Right on. There you go. All right, we are have to end this show as beautiful and awesome
0: as it's been. Engage, ask us a question. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. And you can listen to this show again or re listen to it at excellentcultures.com. Or if you're on iTunes or you're on that iPhone tip, we are on iTunes and soon to be on Stitcher for you Android heads. We'll be right back. Actually, we'll be back next week with Biz Culture Matters on Clay
1: 1180 and, a.m. And Dr. Cook again talking about we'll what's be going on with the world's culture. There you go. Adios. See you next week. Thank you both. Thank you.